0: Do you remember when we were in school and they taught us those super relevant topics like how to understand the periodic table of elements and how to use the quadratic formula? But do you remember that class they taught us on how to make and maintain friendships as an adult? Yeah, me neither. My name is Zane Khan and I'm a certified life and friendship coach. And after being a super introverted kid and struggling to make and maintain friendships my entire life, I decided that friendships are not something that you have to just let be organic and natural. And one of those things where you either have the skill, you're either social or you're not. I made it my intention to learn the skill of how to make and maintain friendships. And I did exactly that by analyzing and reflecting on my personal experience, by diving into coaching and mindset work, and by even using my psychology degree to understand the dynamics of friendships, I really learned how to create a thriving circle of friends. And I learned how to make new friends, move through friendship conflicts and breakups, and how to up-level my current friendships. And when I learned this work, I decided that I couldn't just keep this to myself. It would be a disservice to all of you out there who are maybe struggling in one of these areas to keep this to myself. So it is my honor and privilege to show up here every single week And share with you all of the tools, tips, and tricks from, again, not only my personal experience, but from psychology, from empirical research, from mindset work on how to navigate friendships as an adult. So, if that's something you're interested in, then feel free to watch this new episode and let's go. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome or welcome back to Making Friends Made Simple. My name is Zane Khan, Certified Life and Friendship Coach, and today we are talking all about how to openly communicate with your friends. We hear this term open communication all the time. I think for me, it's more so in the context of relationships that are romantic or even businesses as opposed to friendships. But I think we need to have healthy open communication within our friendships too. But first, what does open communication even mean? Y'all know I love to define these terms that can be buzz terms that sound pretty, but are also super vague. I'm not even sure if we all have one single definition for it, which is great in a way. It's kind of like introversion where we just get to decide for ourselves what it means. But let's see what Professor Google has to say about it. All right. Open communication is when people can openly express their thoughts and ideas to one another. And of course, they use openly in the definition for open communication. Okay, so... Why don't we define openly as well? So allowing access, passage, or a view through an empty space, not closed or blocked up. Okay, now of course they're talking about having physical access or a view through a non-blocked empty space. But Bestie, isn't this a perfect metaphor for communication and friendships? I think when we meet a new potential friend, we all have a wall or blocker up in front of us. I'd offer that depending on how naturally inclined we are to share and be vulnerable... That will determine how easily the wall comes up and down. And hey, look, it's not that we have to discount the usefulness and protection this wall gives us. In this episode, we're going to talk a lot about having that wall go down. But just know that that wall has been built up to protect you based on past events in your life. So let's take a second to honor it. I know for me, when I was making friends as a kid, I had this huge wall just like... Dead ass concrete, it was just a whole thing. I really struggled to open up and now it's just like a thin little yeah, it's like a paper wall that you can just fly in the wind when I meet someone and you know you might have your thoughts about that, but I love that I can be open with uh, new people um, but what about like once you're in a friendship? I know a vast majority of my episodes have been about making new friends, but I also want to give equal love to friendship up levels. Okay, so in my view, vulnerability determines how easily the wall comes up and down when meeting new people. But once you're in the friend-making stage, or in a solid friendship, the thing that lowers the height of that wall will be trust. And that trust is formed through appropriate self-disclosure. Again, these are super vague terms that I think could use some defining. um, And, you know, of course, consider what they mean to you first. But Trust, a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of something or someone. It's really interesting to define these words we use all the time, because for me anyway, the actual definition is always different than how I would define the word. Prior to reading this, I'm like, okay, yeah, trusting someone is being vulnerable enough with them to, mm, how would I even define it? I think trusting someone is being vulnerable enough with them to, Tell them things that you wouldn't normally tell a random stranger, right? So you would share like intimate details that you wouldn't, again, necessarily share with anyone else. And I think what I'm speaking here to is more the action of trusting, but trust is more grounded. in again, what Professor Google says, reliability, truth, ability, or strength. It's pretty multifaceted. Can you imagine going to your friend and being like, "Hey, friend, I just want you to know that I believe in your reliability, truthability, your strength." And notice that Professor Google says "or." So, can you trust someone with just reliability or just truth? Which one of these four facets of trust, based on Professor Google, trustability, strength, and reliability? Resonates more with you. It would be really interesting to figure out, like, what does trust actually mean to you, right? And again, for appropriate self-disclosure, I'm just going to give you this up simple definition because I studied this quite a bit in university. It's talking about yourself and someone without being weird. Hence, the appropriate part. It's like you don't just tell your life story to the McDonald's drive-through employee, but when you can share information with a friend in an appropriate way. That's how you build trust, my friend. This is when we lean into courage and actually model what you want to see in the friendship. I'm gonna do a dedicated episode to modeling in friendships, but for now, just know that it's essentially creating an aspect of the friendship that isn't there yet by incorporating it in yourself. Let me give you an example. I've always been such a loving and expressive person from day one. I know I mentioned I had a wall up, but once that wall was eventually down, I was so loving and expressive. I've just had this heart that is super full and that has a lot to give and share and celebrate. So, when and only when I get close enough with someone, which again is kind of an intuitive feeling, I will tell them after a call or even during a connecting moment, I love you. And I kid you not, 19 out of 20 times, I'm the one to say it first. And to this day, some people don't even say it back. And that's okay. Most do. And now we have this beautiful, fuzzy, warm friendship container where we can openly say, I love you. And for the ones that don't say it back, or better yet, for the ones that say thank you, I know that sometimes it's hard to express such a deep and powerful emotion. Or maybe they reserve that for their family and their spouse. Whatever it is, all good. Doesn't matter. They know that our friendship is a safe space to be vulnerable. And I can express what's on my mind likewise. And my friends, this is such a great little microcosm or metaphor for just not expecting your friends to show up in a way that you do or expecting your friends to show up in a way you think they should show up it's not it doesn't have to be like that our friends are all going to express love in different ways i think the next episode is going to tie in beautifully to this which is when your friends don't initiate because my goodness i have been seeing this left right and center with Clients and people who I help online, it's just a whole thing. Okay, and here's where I'm gonna stretch all of us. So stop what you're doing right now and refocus with me, okay? I am so okay with the idea that I might love a friend who doesn't love me back. Honestly, I want you to consider this. We talk day in and day out about reciprocity, especially in romantic relationships, but hey, just entertain this for a second. Can you be okay with loving a friend differently than they love you? And I say differently and not more because I just don't ever think it's useful to quantify love in that way. I'm thinking of one friend who I I consistently, consistently say I love you to, but she's never said it back. She usually says, okay, which is fine. I know I'm a verbal victor and she's not. She expresses her love in so many other beautiful, amazing ways. And I'm so happy I've modeled saying I love you because even if it doesn't get said back, It's increased our friendship intimacy so exponentially. Okay, so that's more the fluffy, fuzzy aspect of it, modeling appropriate self-disclosure. What about disagreements and moments of kind of asynchronicity, though? And this is a huge topic that I'll be revisiting many times here on Making Friends Made Simple, but I think it'd be a disservice to talk about open communication without talking about disagreements. The first thing I want to do here is frame disagreements with friends as moments of misalignment instead of something's gone terribly wrong. They hate me. This friendship was never meant to work out. This is the end. The writing's on the wall. None of that. You know, I have two beautifully framed quotes in my office, and sometimes when I'm filming and rearranging them for whatever, one or both get misaligned, and it's not a problem. I just fix it. I know some of us get so activated in our nervous system with disagreements that come up, and I want to honor and recognize that Because a lot of that can stem from past experiences with conflict and how it was handled growing up. It's all valid. It's all understandable. But for our purposes, just knowing that disagreements with friends happen, and even if it doesn't feel like that in the moment, it's an opportunity to practice open communication. Going through this right now, actually, we'll kind of gone through it, but it's something that happens and it doesn't feel good. It really doesn't. I know we can make it sound beautiful here on this podcast and like an opportunity, but it really, just being real with you, it doesn't feel amazing to have to engage in it, especially when it's a conflict and you're not just up-leveling, right? it can be challenging. So again, this just is happening or happened relatively recently. This friend says something over text that didn't land well in my body. It felt a bit misaligned and incongruent with how she normally talks to me. At first, I just gave it back and said something that I thought was equally as passive-aggressive, but then I remembered and considered actively how much this friend means to me, how above tit-for-tat we are with over a decade of friendship. So I told her, hey, this comment didn't land right with me and my body, and from there, we talked through it. It was a little bumpy, but you know how we ended it off? By telling each other how much we loved each other. And I really want to do a podcast and a webinar on a book on this, But for now, blame says, you did this, and it's your fault I'm feeling this way. It's completely powerless. It abdicates all of your emotions and your ability to regulate to words and potential actions that you don't even like. If blame is telling someone that, vulnerability is saying, you said or did this, and that didn't land well in my body, so let's talk about it openly and in a way where we can both be honest with each other. Now, just a side note, I know this sounds kind of like therapist talk, and I know most people don't talk like this in their friendships. I get it. I don't either. I think for the podcast, I kind of have this professional poise, which makes sense, but uh, I'm a coach, you know, so it's difficult for me to turn that off. However, I think the key here is to find your own verbiage here and to emphasize yourself and not your friend. And it's super important to emphasize the action and not the person because it's not the person you have a problem with. It's what they said in that isolated moment. It doesn't take away from all the good moments you've had and the attunement and connection and love that's still very much there, even in the midst of a disagreement. So focus on how you felt in your body based on them. And again, I know that sounds like therapist talk, but I find it so useful to say that like what you said landed this way in my body, it gives you way more agency over how you feel. And if for whatever reason, you can't solve it right then and there, you're not just riddled with anxiety until you can talk again. You can actually regulate yourself. You can allow the urges. You can go through deep breathing, meditation, grounding, whatever helps you, right? So what this looks like is not saying you were being really rude when you just said whatever to me in that text, but instead saying when you said whatever to me, it landed as rude or passive-aggressive in my body. I know it sounds like semantics, but what you're doing is you're giving yourself the gift of agency. You're telling yourself that, okay, words were said, actions were taken, and we can talk through this and mitigate this happening in the future, and I also have the ability and the capability to manage my emotions, again, in the event that you can't solve it right then and there with your friend. And I think this is especially useful for those residual emotions that still linger even after everything's said and done and you've talked it out and said I love you. Being able to take some agency and find out what power you have over your own emotional life is so paramount. Another aspect of open communication is actively listening and responding to what's being said. Sometimes we get into these iMessage message or text message paragraph wars, where we're just typing away and sending paragraphs back and forth based on our reactions to the last message, but we're not actively listening or trying to understand or trying to reflect back the truth that might be in the previous message. We're just venting and getting our feelings out through our thumbs and through pixels instead of self-regulating a little bit in that moment and trying to understand where the other person is coming from. Because those paragraph fours, we've all been there, they are a hot mess express. They're not productive. They're not useful. And what they do is they add tension into the friendship and into that communication container instead of taking it away, which is what the purpose of open communication is. Anyway, I don't want to dishonor this topic by glossing over it, but I'm going to both address this in depth and I'll also have a link to one of my favorite books, On this topic called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg, super game changer. Okay, I feel like this needs to be two parts or at least broken down, but the last thing I'll say for now about open communication is presence. When we think of communication, we think of the words we say, but what about body language? What about the distractions that enter our brain that are seemingly innocuous, the urge to multitask while talking to someone? It says almost more than our words. Imagine a friend talking to you while texting on their phone and not even looking up versus a friend who's maybe leaned in a bit, who's making appropriate eye contact, where you can physically feel their presence. One of my friends is so good at this. He is a master at it. He doesn't interrupt at all. And he doesn't even need to give you those verbal, mm, "mm-hmm, yeah, those cues that he's listening because you can just tell he's listening. It's it's not even I swear like I could not even see him and still feel the his his presence and the fact that he's listening to me clearly and I just love that so much. So be mindful of your body language and I'll leave a link to one of the best teachers when it comes to sort of public speaking and body language and having that presence when you're communicating. And important I know, my friend. So unless you're driving, stop what you're doing, and even then, you can pull over because this is important. I've subtly mentioned two teachers. In this podcast, if you feel like, okay, Zine, this is just a little bit complicated, I have issues for me that are super specific that you didn't go over, or I have challenges with my mental health or nervous system or circumstances that just makes openly communicating a little bit more challenging, all I have to say is amazing, so do I. Don't expect it to be super easy. It's going to be hard and it might be effortful, but just remember, and this is the theme for the entire podcast, your friendships current and future are worth the effort it takes. All right, my friends, I love you so much. Be sure to check out my How to Make One Friend in Three Simple Steps training in the show notes. There you can also schedule a friend finding game plan call with me where we look at your main challenge and figure out how to kind of give you a pathway moving forward when it comes to making friends and how you can improve. And then we'll discuss a little bit about the possibility of a one-to-one coaching container. You can learn more about that at zaneconcoaching.com, my first name, my last name, coaching.com. And yeah, we'll go from there. Okay, go openly communicate and I will see you next week. Bye.